2: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast
1: with Dave, Honky, Boomer and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the
0: Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, Davey Gasters, and I'm with Honky.
3: I apologize, fellas, for not contributing more to our text thread the other day. Uh, It was kind of last second, but we decided to drive up to East Lansing to check out a great deal on a new sofa set. Oh really? How, how did that go for you? It, it went great. Yeah, the car didn't quite make it, but uh, you know. <laughs> a little damage, a fender bender, maybe. Yeah, I have a I have riot protection, so I think uh, it'll be okay. <laughs> All right, it's good to hear, Boomer. Yeah, that windshield should buff right
2: out, honky. I wouldn't worry about it. So should be okay. And I'm just wondering if uh, Trev Alberts is uh, hurriedly trying to marry off the rest of his kids so he doesn't have to spend too many more Saturdays watching this mm-hmm. this fall. <laughs>
0: Might be a good idea. Also with Redcast, Rob.
1: Hey guys, I'm sorry I missed the entire game this weekend. I was off hunting with my buddies for third year in a row. I couldn't seem to get anything down, but I think we've discussed it. We're going to fire some of the other guys in the group that I hunt with, hire some new ones in to help me out so we can possibly get an animal down next year.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea, Rob. You got to get some wins underneath your belt. And um, well, Scott Frost may need to do that as well as uh, Nebraska goes down to the Boilermaker's uh twenty eight, twenty three last saturday another saturday for the redcast where um we just can't seem to get enough wins guys i tell you i don't know what else to say honky i'm literally I'm left speechless at this point social media hasn't
3: been speechless the last couple of days we might get into uh some of that and of course we're going to do mailbag today so you don't have to say a lot dave uh, the questions get to come to us from redcast nation they really get to run the show today but before we get to that to break down that uh that Purdue game, what a cluster again. I mean, we just – we find every conceivable way to to not win games. Uh, you know, we were up at halftime, 17-14, to 14, and yet we acted like we were coming from behind. You know, we make so many mistakes. We have the four interceptions, uh, which really hadn't been an issue all season. Uh, Run-pass ratios. Uh, Rob, a week ago with the Minnesota loss, you know, he referenced how they – Threw it 33 passes, the 31 rushes. Well, this week it was 29-29 right down the middle. I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand where our offense is going, Dave. It, it, It doesn't look like an offense. It doesn't make sense to me what we're trying to do. And only 22 minutes of possession too. Yeah, it's just crazy. And, you know, we are now six and 10 under Frost against Illinois, Purdue, Northwestern, and Minnesota. Not Iowa, Wisconsin, the other four of the division. We are six and 10 against right now. And it's just – it's baffling me. We're 1-3 and three against them this year. The win, the, the Northwestern game, that was 53 runs to 21 passes, a, a 71% run-to-pass ratio. And in these other ones, those other three games, the losses, uh, 99 runs to 94 passes. I don't get it. I, I don't understand what Frost and the offense, what they're trying to do in these games, and uh, it's showing up. It's, it's a mess on offense. And, uh, you know, there's the frustrations uh, become apparent with fans for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Boomer, uh, you know, there was some fans exiting early uh, on Saturday, um, even when the game it was only a, an 11 point difference. But I did feel like it was kind of lost at that point, except for a uh, near uh, recovered onside kick. Uh, Could have made it really interesting. But of course, we had Cam Taylor Britt there, who uh, one of our best cornerbacks in a long time, but also maybe not with the best of hands. So, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, it was kind of disappointing. It might have been, you know, Colt's best kick of any kind all season, and, yeah. and it kind of went for not. <laughs> I mean, it was a perfectly executed onside. I mean, it's exactly what went right to do. him. Yeah, ten yards, Brilliant. perfectly spiraling sideways, easiest thing for Huskers to get, and we just didn't do it. And it's like Honky said, this whole the whole game was just maddening. You have everything theoretically lining up going your way for this game. You've got Purdue coming off of two hard games against, you know, Iowa, Wisconsin. They just got pushed around by the Badgers. You're coming off that bye week, so everybody can be healthy. This is a team that, you know, on paper, you should line up well against because they haven't been able to run the ball all year. So you should be able to scheme for that and be prepared. And for some reason, they just like Minnesota, they just come out with some sort of plan and it just seems to throw us for a loop and we have no idea how to respond. Like like I said, you're even ahead at halftime and you just seem discombobulated by the first play in the second half.
3: We were up 7 nothing on them and, you know, moving the ball and – it's a pick six, is what how they score their first points and get back into the game. Uh, Jackie Giant has six carries for 60 yards. He was basically averaging 10 plus yards a carry. I sent out a tweet at, at halftime saying, uh, or a poll saying, how, uh, how many carries should he get this uh, half? Should he get 20, 30, 40, or 50 plus? And you know, <laughs> he gets two. He gets two, and again, we were in the lead. None of this garbage about like, well, when you're coming from behind, you have to do this. We fall behind because of our passing game. We fall behind because of our reliance on on throwing out of the pocket. I just, it's just, it's so frustrating to watch. And to see things in a game that are working, again, Yant gets six carries. It just doesn't make sense to me.
0: Rob, you know, uh, Sam McEwen had a, a good article today There's a lot of good articles, by the way. I I thought uh, Dirk's um, article, Tom, Chattel, Sipple all had good write-ups, but McEwen's caught my eye today where he uh, talked about how, like, the Big Ten has figured out Scott Frost, and they keep on beating him, essentially saying that, you know, by Purdue running the ball 41 times for 116 yards, which doesn't sound that impressive, but what it results in is 38 minutes of possession and it takes the ball out of uh, Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez's hands. And um, you control the game. And that's, that's the secret of success for all these big 10 teams. What do you think about
1: that? I love that brand of football. I side with honky on this where I like, I like setting up the passing game with the run game. And I looked at the final stats. If you looked at them, you didn't look at the score. You see that Purdue had the ball for 17 more minutes. You see that the Huskers actually had more offense than Purdue. They had 399 oh, go yards. Yeah, Shock. go figure. Yeah, I'm shocked. And Martinez was 18 for 29, but four of those passes ended up in the hands of the other team. And I think last week what I said uh, was, what? Figure out which plays are working for you, use them coming out of the bye, and don't turn the ball over. So what did they do? They went with all the plays that haven't been working for them all season, and they turned mm. the ball over four times. We figured out a formula to lose is what we've done. Plus two turnovers
3: against Minnesota, we lose by seven. Minus four turnovers against Purdue, we lose by five. I don't know what the key is. I mean, We needed maybe 20 turnovers to win. I'm not sure. Nothing makes sense with this team. Wisconsin, who just got through beating Iowa and Purdue the last two weeks, they threw it eight times against Purdue, and they threw it 22 times against uh, Iowa, 30 times total. Uh, to 94 rushes during those two weeks. That's with, by the way, a four-star pocket passer quarterback, Mertz. I mean, who's built to do that. That's the thing that just drives me crazy here. I'm not here to beat up on Martinez. I've given this example before. I don't know if I've said it on the show, but imagine having Peyton Manning as your quarterback. You're the offensive coordinator. And you run out and you run 32 options with Manning, and you lose the game badly. In fact, the last play, he fumbles on an option, right? When the game gets done, do fans sit there and call for Manning's head and say he's a terrible quarterback? Or would they be calling for your head as the offense coordinator and say, what the hell are you running 32 options with Peyton Manning for? Well, what do we do? And what do so many – it's not just Nebraska. So many coaches do this right now. They go out and they recruit the big four-star dual threat 2B, and they immediately try to turn them into Peyton Manning. And try to be a you know stick figure in the pocket, and it's just not even. Oh, it's almost not even fair to Martinez. Sometimes I just feel like the things that I see him do so well. We don't try to run with them, or we or we do glimpses of it, and then we completely take it away. And let's just get back in that pocket. Hey, we're handing the ball off for ten yards of carry. Let's stop doing that. Hey, we're rolling out and max protect and and options. Let's stop doing that. Let's <laughs> all of that. Let's get back into the pocket where we have proven time and again that we we don't block well out of it. We have a QB that's not reading great things out of it. I mean that pick six, he just basically
1: handed it to the defender, and we just do it time and again. And I don't know why it doesn't matter for up down doesn't just doesn't matter you know honky and you make a good point too because uh, again i'll reference our famous conversation that where you and i became best friends in boulder where sure. i was talking about adrian and i'm and i'm saying well maybe this kid just doesn't have it and you know what i'm going to go full 180 on this and what i'm going to say is you know what adrian is a good quarterback he is and you know what the problem is he's doing what he's being asked to do mm-hmm. and that is why He's not finding success. He's being asked to do the things that he's not the best at. And every time we run plays that he is good at running the plays that he is the type of quarterback for, we're successful with it. But for some reason, we don't stay with that game plan. We just move away from it. And he makes the mistakes that he makes. Can you blame him? Sure. But you can't blame him because he's just doing what they're asking him to do. Yeah. And
3: he's in an offense where, you know, right now our leading rusher through nine games is Ramir Johnson with 443 yards. With the exception of Zigbo in 2018, who just eclipsed a thousand yard mark that year. Aside from that, we haven't had a thousand yard rusher since Abdullah in 2014, since Pelini. We've had one season of 1,000-yard rusher. And, I mean, some of these years it's not even close. Mills one year was our leading rusher with 769. Newbie was 786. Azigbo, the in 2017 had 516 yards. I mean, we're not even sniffing a 1,000-yard rusher. And prior to that, Abdul and Burkhead, I mean, it's, it's nothing but 1,000-yard rushers. And guess what? Six of our last seven seasons we don't have winning records. And we're not going to have a winning record this season either. Because we can't run the football, or we don't attempt to run the football, or we have a guy like Yant who can run the football six times for sixty yards, and that's it. And or then I
2: think, just I think they sent him, him out again. to look
3: for Step sometime in the second half. Is the only
0: way I, <laughs> I didn't see Step us. on the yeah.
2: sideline.
0: I was like, oh, there's Step. What darn. Well, yeah, um,
3: know. Boomer. I think maybe you sent us something before the game. Michael Severe posted something about like how Step was taking snaps with the first team offense pregame. It's like, oh, cool. I guess you know he'll be the guy today. Well, no. He- I don't think he even got on the field, did he?
2: No, I don't no. remember. I don't remember seeing him if he did. So yeah, that's the strangest thing. What? And you're putting it right, Hunky, when it comes to to Martinez and really the whole team, it's it's kind of what I take away from some of the, the comments Frost makes in the presser. It's a lot of times they seem to be coaching for mm-hmm. the team he wishes he had rather than the team they actually do. You know, the things they're asking Martinez to do aren't always his strengths. They're not putting him in those positions. The things they want running backs to do they're not putting the right running backs out there you know we hear the comments about how you know they're a good team not a great team and then turns around and says well great teams don't need me to do x y and z well (laughs) they're not a great team you just said that you know you might want them to be but they're not they just don't seem to be coaching for the team he has and that's just i think kind of the maddening thing about how the season's progressed and just kind of what we're seeing week to
3: week yeah well dave you mentioned some of the the great articles that have been written and I just thought this headline from Sipple the day after, the sad story of the end of Frost tenure at Inu may be writing itself. And, and immediately I thought of Walter Cronkite in Vietnam. He said something about an and LBJ said, oh, my gosh, if we've lost Cronkite, I've lost middle America. And I'm thinking, if you've lost Sipple, oh, yeah. my God, you know, this is That's like, right. <laughs> Frost has lost
0: Sipple, Oh, my goodness. You know, what, what, is that? <laughs> what does that mean? What does it mean? <laughs> That's right. It's true. I mean, I guess you, know, you shouldn't draw conclusions when you're three and three. Maybe you shouldn't draw conclusions when you're three or six. But um, it, it it doesn't look good the next three games to think that you're going to win one, let alone three of them. Uh, so here we are. And at some point, Trev will have to make a, a decision one way or the other. Not a foregone conclusion uh, mm-hmm. at all. Um, whether uh, Scott Frost is back for one more year or we move on to some other coach. Lots of, I think, thought will have to be put into that decision. But until we get there, let's uh, hear what some of our, our listeners have to say. Eh, Let me go through just a little bit of social media stuff first yeah. because they
3: have their thoughts. It's already it, it's clearly laid out. And this is what Trev is going to have to kind of maneuver through, whether it's the his main constituents or big boosters, whatever. You know they're in his ears too. Boy, it's it feels 50-50 to me. <laughs> and people are very passionate on each side. It is people that are saying fire him and people that are saying we've got to keep him, right? No matter what decision he ends up making as the season comes in. And it feels like you're already, there's already pre built, there's going to be a a section of the fans that are just not going to be supportive of
0: that. Yeah, it does feel like the fan base is divided. And so, yeah, he's damned if he does or or doesn't, right? Make this move, right? Because he's Mm -hmm. going to piss off some uh, fraction. And unless there's an amazing home run hire out there, (laughs) <laughs> like Scott Frost four years ago, it's gonna be hard to unite that fan base until said uh new coach apparently, you know, starts winning, right? And same thing. I mean, if Frost would come back for a fifth year and he happens to to win, then um, everything would, you know, get knit back together. But winning would solve everything that seems to be very far away right now. Yeah. It feels like people they want guarantees right now that if we make
3: that change, then it's gonna work, or if we keep him and we just make a couple of changes on the staff, that's going to work. And the reality is no matter what happens, no matter what changes are made, there's no guarantees either way. I yeah. mean, we can fire yeah. frost, completely start over from scratch. You bring in the next the next crew, and we could go four and eight next year with those guys, right? Yeah, We can keep yeah. frost, try to keep some continuity, make a couple changes, and we can go four and eight with that crew too. There's no guarantee that anything will work. There's no guarantee that it won't either. You know, we we all have a built up utopia in our head of like, what's perfect? All we have to do is do this and and we'll get back to nine and three and 10 too. And there's just, there's no guarantee of that right now. I hear a lot about insanity. I've heard, I've heard so much. Dave, do you know what the definition of insanity? Have you, have you had that emailed or text or tweeted to you 58 times? I've heard the the definition of Enigma on TV recently. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But insanity, you could use that argument both sides here, right? I mean, make a change and it doesn't work out well then geez it's insanity it's just doing the same thing over and over again firing coaches every four years if we don't make a change keep frost back next year and we we go four and eight again geez it's insanity that i don't know what the decision going to be and we're going to start getting into the mailbag here but i do have ultimate trust in trev i really do and and i think he's kind of earned that to be honest over the last few months since he got hired here i i'm going to support whatever decision he ends up Doing And I hope that's what Husker Nation does, too. I hope that they rally around it. This is going to be a big, tough decision for him at the end of the season, no matter what he has to do. And I just hope that uh, Husker Nation doesn't get any more
1: fractured by that. It's true. I just say, though, that social media is not real life. I think you and I can agree on that, Honky. Yes. And, and you know, it's the vocal minority is what social, social media is. It's the vocal minority because most Husker fans that you run into, I know a ton of Husker fans here in Colorado, and every time I run into them, you know, the, it's the same thing, you know, we're going to get this turned around. We're going to get this turned around. You can see it. I mean, you, you can see it. You can see some sparks think you just, it's mind numbing, just seeing like, what's it going to take for them to figure it out. But I saw another question that, that you put on there that, that, you know, when we're kind of viewing this stuff and, and one of them said something like who in their right mind would want to come coach at Nebraska. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. Oh my God, that is the, dumbest thing I've ever heard in my <laughs> life because who in their right mind wouldn't want to be the guy that turned this around answer that question for me sure. social media genius
0: <laughs> and we pay pretty well for it too yeah absolutely I mean if you fail you get four years at, at five million apiece you know if you win
1: you you uh you know quickly become a legend right? yeah <laughs> so. absolutely and not just in Nebraska you become a legend in college football uh, that's well, like, that's and so that's why we're a blue blood Right. is because if you can turn it around at Nebraska, it's not just the Nebraska fans that are going to everyone's going to hate us even more. And that's the glory of it all. (laughs)
3: Well, you know, I've heard uh, a lot of references to uh, Devaney referencing that Frost is kind of like the Bill Jennings. Right. And so we need that that next Devaney. But you think about it, if you just want to use a historical standpoint, Devaney came into a program that's very different than what it is today. I mean, he came in here and the facilities were awful. He, he, he wanted to go back to Wyoming. It was Duffy Doherty, the famous coach from Michigan State, that told him, no, if you stick with it there, you can win titles. You can do things at, at Nebraska that you could never do it at a Wyoming. If a change was made, what kind of coach would want to come to Nebraska? I don't know. A coach that wants to come into a place that has – the resources that we have that has a $150 million building getting built on top of the amazing facilities that we already have to begin with. Right. I mean, look, it, this job can be as tough as you want to make it. I loved Bo's nine and 10 win seasons. Bo also had a great way of making this sound like it was the toughest job in the world. And recruiting was so hard to get anybody to come here and all those things. There's things you can control and things you can't. We talked about run pass ratios earlier today. Those are things that are within our control. If we control those, I think we win some of those games this year with this team but for some reason we're not doing it. And I can scream tongue blue in the face that we should keep giving it to the guy who's getting 10 yards to carry. But I also have no control over what play we're going to call. I also have no control over who the coach is going to be at the end of this year. None of us do. Well, Dave, should we get to the mailbag? Then? Yeah, please. All right. So we asked the question right after the game and we got a ton of responses here. So I'm going to try to kind of group them all into some different categories here, but we just said, so red is trying to prep for Monday night. Uh, what do you want us to talk about this week? Uh, Haler 64 said there's nothing to talk about, so that's uh, that's nice, but unfortunately, uh, we have about 40 other responses here. So let's start with uh, Sal Vasta. He said, Why does this staff refuse to play certain players? And he goes on to say, Yank gets two runs after the second quarter for the rest of the game. Dave, I'll throw that one to you to start off here. You know, why does this staff refuse to play some players and other guys? You know, Martinez, as an example, seems like there's an unending rope kind
0: of given to some guys too i have no idea (laughs) i really don't (laughs) i mean it does i mean i the quarterback situation seems to be a little bit different um i think there's clear separation between adrian and and logan smothers and uh unfortunately right i mean Mm -hmm. i'd love to think that logan was pushing him in practice every day but that's not the case and i think if you know if you dissect um the frost tenure uh, if this does end for, for, for whatever reason that Trev decides it should, you'll, you'll look back at a lot of Frost quarterback decisions. And it's crazy to think that his entire four-year coaching uh, career at Nebraska would be tied to one quarterback. But it is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I questioned from the get-go, why didn't we try to at least keep uh, Patrick O'Brien or Jebia for one year? right? And let, let Adrian sit and, you know, I mean, why do you need to start him right off the bat, right? You know, why can't we have Logan come in more and feel like we're more prepared with him? Uh, but I mean, I, I would say just like from what we've seen from Logan, he looks capable, but does he look like he's actually better than Adrian when Adrian's at his best? No. So I, I, I don't know. Now with Yant's I mean, I, I, it doesn't make any sense, but that's mainly the run-pass ratio. to Be honest with you, mm-hmm. I think Yance or Johnson would have got more carries if we just ran the ball more in the second half. But we didn't. Right? Yeah,
3: and, and isn't that interesting? It's not because we were coming from behind; we just chose not to run the ball more. In fact, the more we threw it, four interceptions, the further we got behind. You know, I, I mentioned the the losses to Illinois and Minnesota and Purdue, and the, the passing game. We have had a safety against Minnesota you know, on an 11-yard sack. Uh we you know we had the scoop and six against Illinois for a touchdown and that was out of a a drop back pass where he doesn't make the read then he tries to convert it into a run and then he fumbles on the run part. It's not a designed run. By the way, anytime a play breaks down like that and you start running it, the offensive coordinator at that point gets zero ability to take credit anymore for whatever happens on that play cuz the play is no longer your call. Now it's just now the QB's just scrambling around. Sometimes we get 80 yard runs like we had against Buffalo and and uh you know Illinois, and sometimes you get pounded the way he did against Michigan State. I mean, basically, that's a breakdown of a passing play that he converts into a run play, right? Those are the, the wicked hits, you know. It's not the option play that gets you <laughs> gets him hit. That you control those by you can call the play and block for it and everything. But once a play breaks down, man, again, I'm not knocking Martinez here. He makes amazing plays sometimes on those. It's not a knock on him, it's just How many times do we have to see that over and over again? If you want to hear about insanity, that is. But uh, Boomer, FL Spiffy, he wants to know who is calling plays, where is the fullback, and then he goes, uh, still a Husker forever. So that's nice.
2: Yeah, those are also good questions. Uh, (laughs) Again, just like we don't know why certain players play and others don't, who is calling plays week to week? Some days you hear that's Frost calling them, other times Lubick. They never seem to announce before or after a game. I, I don't know. That's another thing that makes it tough to really kind of judge where this staff is at. I mean, who is in charge of the offense? You know, people say, well, we need to make changes, you know, on the offensive staff, but well, who's in charge of it. I mean, who's calling these plays? really going to change when, when it's frost
0: offense. Yeah. I mean, it's frost
2: offense, And if he's the one calling plays, then is that what you need to change? I don't know. We never seem to know. And as far as a fullback, you know, this offense, it's really not built for a fullback. I don't know. Would you trust a staff trying to run a fullback in any way, shape, or form or try to integrate that into an offense? A fullback has left the building. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they we're having enough trouble making the offense work with what they do have and know how to do. I don't know if any of them have a ton of experience in integrating one into an offense. So I think you'd have to be asking for a lot of changes there to happen, which aren't realistically on the horizon for the staff. I don't think trying to work something like that in there.
3: Well, Rob, uh, here's a, a bigger picture question from I'm fed up. This is big red football. He writes, uh, now how close are we? Because we aren't,
1: I was really hoping that you would actually ask me to answer XFL Jim's question about chili recipes. So XFL <laughs> Jim, if you are listening, uh, feel free to DM me. I've I've got a couple really good chili recipes that that I cook quite frequently. Um, some I'm using fresh vegetables, some not. Um, mm-hmm. How close are we? Because we aren't. I mean, but we are. We're we're literally one score. That's how close mm-hmm. we are. We are one score. That's where we are. I can't say how extensively we have talked about that on the show because it's pretty much all we've talked about on the show this entire season. Uh, that is now 19 losses by one score, I believe, over the last uh, four years. I don't know, man. I, I Much like the Nebraska football team right now, I'm just feeling defeated. I I don't know what else to say, man. I know we're close. I can see it. I can be angry at the time the games are on. But in retrospect and going back and actually reflecting on the games, we are close.
3: Arbitrary analytics today. They posted a thing that since 1970... Nine teams have lost seven games by one possession, eight points or fewer, in a single season. Seven games, nine times since 1970. The Huskers have lost six games this season by only one possession. No team has ever lost eight in a season. You know, Basically, if two of these last three games, if we lose it by one score or less, we will have done something that no other team since 1970 in all of college football has done. Are we close? Factually, yes, we're absolutely close. But then when these maddening, games happen when we lose in ways that we shouldn't to teams that we probably shouldn't lose to. It feels like we're so much further away. Like the scores were close, but like Minnesota and Purdue felt like bigger losses to me than what the final score ended up. It, sure. it, maybe it's just the way the
0: game played out, but that's how it felt to me personally watching it. Yeah. Well, both of them, we were two scores down in the fourth. Um, so both of them felt like they were larger losses until late touchdowns against uh, defenses that were probably, you know, probably playing safe a little bit and making sure we were taking up some clock. So, I mean, there's some legitimacy to saying that it didn't really feel as close as the end end score. But I think the bigger point here is that there has been progress made from a program standpoint. I think we do feel like the team looks and acts like a a big 10 team from a size perspective. Um, and we like things like the roster with the the walk-on program and getting guys like Grimer and others out of that is, is a positive. Um, so there's lots of things that, that have come out of the last four years with Scott Frost, opposed to where we were at under Mike Riley. We felt like it was a really long ways away just from a program standpoint. The question is, is whether it's Scott Frost or some other coach in 2022, can they take the actual relatively strong structural foundation, it feels like it's been built, and actually turned into wins, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the bottom line, right? And I just don't know at this point if this coaching staff has shown enough to prove that they deserve the fifth year to actually win games because they continuously have shown in-game decisions to say that they don't know how to get it done, right? Mm-hmm. That's really hard to say because I have, mm-hmm. I'm a huge supporter of Scott Frost beyond – yeah, I can kind of describe. Right. But it's, I mean, he, he said it himself. It's like, you know, it's just, there's no magic speech that's going to change this. You know, somehow it's just going to have to either they start winning or they don't. Right. Well, that kind of leads
3: to a whole series of questions here from J.A. Lemons, Todd P., Josh Jensen, Nunya Business, Jonathan goes Eugene, American Flag. All of these uh, questions came in that are basically about frost slash coaching changes. And it varies from You know, who do you think would be coaching this team to is it legal to start a buyout GoFundMe for a college football coach? I think Iowa is trying to do that right now with Brian Ferentz. And, you know, American flag says which coaches would we realistically have a shot to bring in Lincoln? I don't think we want to get into the specifics that any of us do about, you know, which coach is going to replace Frost. I don't think that's even the conversation we want to have right now. We have three games left on the season. And I think I said it a week ago, and I I will stand by this, every game matters. Purdue mattered. And after each game, we stop, we reflect, and and sometimes we change our mind a little bit. A, a victory against Ohio State, as crazy as that may sound, a victory against Ohio State, all of a sudden we're having a, a slightly different conversation next week. And every game matters. But in summing up all those, maybe I'll ask a different way. And Boomer, I'll start with you. Is the conversation only, are we starting over from scratch, which happens when you let him go and the head coach is gone. We're starting over from scratch. Or should more of a conversation be about what changes need to be made around him going into the offseason?
2: I think part of my issue with that is kind of what I addressed earlier. You know, I think our big concerns with, with the program are on the offensive side of the ball right now. I mean, defense, Chanander has it playing, you know, well enough to be competitive in the Big Ten. I think that goes without saying they they're, they're generally play well enough to keep us in games and give us chances to win. You know, they don't always get off the field when we want. They're not generating turnovers, little things like that. But, you know, they're playing well enough to win. It's the offensive side of the ball. That's what our head coach is supposed to be an expert at. That's why we brought him in here. I mean, in all honesty, to run a new style of offense, get the Big Ten to adapt to us, all those things. We also have to remember what sort of uh, history do we have that suggests if we want for us to make changes to his staff that he's going to make good hires. I mean, he had carte blanche to bring whoever he wanted with him to this program and make any staff he wanted together. This is what he chose.
0: Yeah. I mean, were, I,
2: you know, it's a really I, good I, point. I think it was simple the other week who wrote an article that, you know, he doesn't want like, you know, Alberts or somebody meddling in the, in the staff decisions, you know, kind of like what happened when, you know, banker got forced out under Riley, which I think everyone thought was a weird idea. Yeah, okay. Maybe he's not meddling, but you want him to say, Oh, you need to be replacing these guys or do this, or you should be hiring this guy. Yeah, I, I guess I just want to know what evidence we think the hires he would or any changes he could make would be better and improved. And yeah, and then that runs into some other issues. This is more down the road, you know. So you hire new staff, how many years do you have to give them? You know, probably a couple. And then you're running into, well, do you have to start extending contracts again? Cause you're starting to run into the end of his current tenure. Do you have to extend him out? So he's got another four or five year contract for recruiting purposes. And you're kind of opening up a whole ball of wax here. I don't know.
0: I mean, you could so. go to the opposite there Boomer and say like, it, how challenging would it be for Frost to actually attract top level assistant talent, knowing that there may only be one year left that they have to fix it. Yeah, in that's one true year, too. Yeah. Right. I mean, like how easy yeah. is it to get um, even if you pay a lot of money, um, a high-end assistant, uh, if there's only one year, of uh, guaranteed work. Um, and if it doesn't work out, you're, you're out there looking again, right? I mean, it would have been easier to do this last year or two years ago. And in two years ago, they did switch out the office of coordinator. Right. Um, but he, he really just went back to his own coaching tree on that one. Um, so how do you have to look outside the box and, and find someone who you may not have a pre existing relationship with to bring in, to, to shake things up, uh, with knowing that, next year is kind of a make it or break it scenario.
3: And when we bring money into the situation, there's a couple of different guarantees. You know, if you get rid of him, there's a $20 million cost associated with that. What if some of that money goes towards paying for big time assistance? I've read people a lot on social media, people suggesting that, that we should really go out there and, and go and get some of those top notch, you know, go after a Venables kind of, you know, right. name, something along those lines, which essentially... Somebody even referenced, uh, it was Saban at, at Alabama, how after they went six and or seven and six in year one, he fired, I think Kevin Steele might have been his DC. And yep, there's right. a couple other coaches he that he got rid moves, of, very specific yeah. ones. I mean, he waited all of one year to do it. And that made a change, right? I don't know what the answer is. I mean, this, and again, it's way above our pay grade, but uh, we're certainly getting the questions. Let's move on to quarterback. And Rob, I'm going to go to you here. And we had a number of questions here. Husker, Herc Pylog and Chris Schumacher, Kyle Anderson, Jansen Kreisel, Cody Zub. All of these are about, you know, why is the gap so big between quarterback one and two and, you know, time for an honest to God QB battle. And should Nebraska even try to lure Spencer Rattler to Lincoln? I mean, these are the kinds of questions coming in. It's obvious why we have a quarterback who's getting done with his fourth year and he just had four interceptions. Uh, you and I have battled back and forth over the years on, on Martinez, but where are you at right now with the, with the QB spot? And should we be making a change here in these last three games?
1: Oh, man, that's such a tough one to, to address because, one, uh, Frost pretty much came out in support of Adrian today. Um, and he said that, which is shocking, I know, <laughs> you know, and he said that uh, he wasn't even thinking about red shirting. And so I I think I covered this a little bit earlier and just saying that, you know, at this point, I'm having a really hard time blaming a guy that's just doing what he's being asked to do. Right. Um, You know, whatever the situation with Spencer Rattler is, I mean, he, is that where we're at now? We're taking Oklahoma's leftovers. You know, this is the kid that was their starter. He was a preseason Heisman favorite and he, for whatever reason, couldn't get it done. I'm air quoting for those listeners out there that can't see me. And so he was replaced by a guy that is probably going to end up winning the Heisman now. Right. But is that, is that what we've resorted to, you know, we're, we're all now taking on Kirk cousins of the world, you know, just hoping that there's a guy who's just good enough to get us to a bowl. Is that, is that what it's come to? I, I wish I had a solution for this. I do have a solution and that's call the plays Mm -hmm. that the quarterback is good at running. And if you can do that and not turn the ball over and when does he turn the ball over when he throws the ball. So, you know, maybe take a look at some of those things, Mr. Frost in this uh, week leading up to Ohio state, because one of the things that running the ball will do is also control the clock, which is something that last week Purdue was able to do with us, um, you know, 116 yards on a thousand carries and, (laughs) you know, 17 more minutes of possession And a lot of that possession was because Martinez threw the ball. And Rob, you said the exact same thing a week ago. You said that, you know,
3: coming out of the bye week, that your number one thing was you hope that they use that bye week to look introvertly, I guess, at yourself, look at how you're calling plays and everything. And literally the next day they're interviewing Lubick and Lubick said that he goes, yeah, we used this last week to kind of, you know, take another look at what we're calling on offense and, and identifying what works and what doesn't work. And that's great. Everything sounds great. The sound bites are awesome. And then you see the game and 29 passes, 29 rushes in a game where we are successfully running the ball on them. And the only reason that they, we keep them in the game are pick six and four interceptions. I I mean, goodness gracious. I'm
1: taking two things from this point, honky. One of them is that somebody over there thinks that the smartest person in the room and they're not listening to anybody else. I don't know who that is. I'm not going to place blame on any specific coaches because it could – who knows? Maybe it's Lubick who's the one who's calling the plays. We don't know. (laughs) Also, you think I should be coaching over at Nebraska, and I really (laughs) like that idea.
0: You got nothing else going on. Why not?
1: (laughs) It's not like I have anything else.
0: I paid $5 I think we at least get a finder's fee or something, right? Well,
1: for the record, you guys would all get sideline passes from me.
0: I just want a million bucks bro.
1: And Dave, you, you can name drop anytime you want. I just want you to know.
3: Okay, great. Looking at the rest, I mean, we, we had a number of humorous uh, questions that came in about we should just talk about climate change and politics, the easy things, because, you know, this is going to be impossible to fix. I guess to go in a different direction here, and, and we can end the mailbag, but uh, we did get some basketball questions from uh, Juan Blanco and Saucy Nugs and Husker Nut uh, they wanted to know about Husker hoops and basketball, and uh, Husker Nut said, I've moved on to basketball. Uh, who will lead in you this season in scoring, rebounding, and assist? Who will be the team MVP? And how deep into March Madness will you guarantee Hoiberg gets
0: this team? Uh, Dave, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm gonna throw all that at you. That's a lot. Um, I'll guess Alonzo Verge um, would be our leading scorer, rebounding Walker. and assist. Who would go Walker. Alonso again for assists, but Trey McGowan's might might be, be there, I suppose. Team MVP, I'll go Trey McGowan's. That it? Yeah. How deep uh, do you guarantee that uh, Hoyberg
3: will get them into March Madness?
0: Oh, nice! I guarantee. What it's a guarantee, guarantee, like
3: literally, you know what you say here. People go out and buy it right, right now. Right. I don't. I'll, I'll guess <laughs> they
0: get to the NCAA tournament. How about that?
3: And that's well. That's saying a lot, right
0: there. Yeah, I, I really don't know. I'm just saying that. But uh, mm. I mean, they did did uh, take take care of business for uh, it was an exhibition versus Colorado, but they got out early. They shot the lights out of the building there in the first half, um, first 10 minutes, really, in particular, and got a big lead and then kind of maintained it. And um, they they looked good, you know, I mean, in Colorado was a good team last year who um, made it the second round of the tournament. So, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's something we know that wasn't a true game. We don't know exactly how either one of those teams would have uh, played that game if it was um, a real competition. But all the same, I thought it was a good performance. Yeah,
3: and the shooting certainly looked better at times. They also had a couple of cold spells where Colorado could get back into it. But still, I mean, there are points there. Nebraska was up 27, 30 points, I think. At, yeah. And they're hitting everything. And that's a, that's a good start at the very least.
1: Anytime you can beat Colorado in anything, it's a good day.
3: It's true. We've been up seventeen points on Colorado and didn't win before in, in another <laughs> sport.
1: Hey, I'm going to go as far to say is that Nebraska is going to probably finish about two or three games over five hundred in conference this year, make the tournament as probably like an eight or nine seed, and make it to the third round. How's or that? To
0: Sweet sixteen, or so,
1: are you talking a play in game first, and then you know, yeah. No, 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 no playing game. They're right. gonna, they're gonna make it to the second weekend of games.
0: That's wow, a sweet that's a mold. I like I it. Hey,
1: this is this is probably one of the best recruiting classes I've seen. I, I was trying to go back just oh, to look to see. Um, both. Yeah, I mean, by far, and that's what you need. Again, we talked about this on last year's uh, shows a few times, where. Um, the thing about college basketball is it's never, you know, you try to build your culture, which he's been doing the last couple of seasons. And then you just bring in the big recruits every single year, because a lot of these guys just go right off to the NBA, right? You bring in your big recruits, you get your five-star guys, you get guys that can shoot the lights out. You get the wins here and there that, that you need, you continue, and then you keep getting those recruits because they start seeing a culture being built in the program. And that's what it looks like to me, man. Hoiberg looks like he's, he's got a great brand of basketball. I, I have to yeah, admit, I didn't watch a ton of Nebraska ball um, you know, before, but I've been watching a lot more of it the last few years. Hell, I was in the stands for every game last year. That's right. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's
3: true. About <laughs> and, that. and now
1: I'm in Honky's basement. So. Yeah. I'm
3: looking at you right down here, your cardboard cutout.
1: And it's not oh. even creepy, Honky. But yeah, oh. I mean he he has he's building a great brand of basketball. And the start of the season last year, I was thinking like, God, these guys are going to maybe go far. And then they got to the conference and, you know, maybe they're not quite big 10 level there, but this year they, they look yeah. bigger, the they COVID look stronger, definitely impacted. Yeah, it too, did, but they look bigger. They look stronger. They can shoot the ball better. God forbid, they can actually rebound or shoot free throws this year and who knows what could happen. Right. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, and they're in probably what is considered to be the best conferences in college basketball this year. So they're going to be tested, but I really believe that they're going to be good.
3: Well, Dave, I have a required software update uh, is available for this Mac, and it's going to refresh or it's going to restart in two minutes. And I oh man, I cannot do any more deferrals. It said apparently I've been putting this off for too long. So well, you can only have to keep it down to three hot takes, huh? <laughs> Darn Take you, Steve Jobs? I'll do, I'll do my best here. Well, number one, it says two minutes right now, so I've got two minutes. Uh, number one, Dave is coming down this weekend, so uh, we're gonna go to the game Looking and to uh, it. we're gonna. And root like crazy, and and let's see if we can pull off an upset here against uh, Ohio State. I think that this is a team that seems to like to play to the to the level of the opponent, and if nothing else, hopefully that means that you know these last three games we have that we're going to see as good a football as this team can play the last three weeks. They seem to have played their best games against the best opponent. So I don't know. We'll see. And I guess this kind of goes along with it. And and look, we we're frustrated too, but. Uh, I don't know how to say be kind, redcasters, but I guess try to be kind when you're on social media. Remember what you post. I mean, tagging players or you know people's parents can see stuff. It's just I don't know. It, it's tough when you get to these moments, and these are the moments that show, I guess, the real class and character of, of a person of a fan base. We say that we're the we're the best fan base out there. That you know we're the classiest and all that. You know, these are the moments that really define it. It's easy to cheer for a team when you're winning all the games. Obviously, for six of the last seven seasons, that hasn't been happening. But uh, it will get turned around at some point. I don't have all the answers, but uh, I trust in the people that are going to be making those uh, decisions, namely in Trev. And I guess that's a good place to start. Go
0: Big Red. All right. Thanks, Honk. Have a good night. Night, guys. Enjoy the updates.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the Go Big Betcast with Dave, Boomer, and Rob.
0: All right, guys, let's uh, hit the bet cast here, and uh, we'll try to keep it uh, relatively short and sweet. We've got a full slate of Big Ten games, I believe, and hopefully we have a few best bets out there. Um, Let's start uh, with the Fighting Illini, Illinois taking on Minnesota. This is... In Minneapolis, I believe. Uh Golden Gophers down to their eighth string running back or something like that, right? Boomer is uh 14 and a half point favorites over under at 44. What are you thinking about the uh, gophers versus the Illini? Do these yeah. guys play for something, Boomer? Um,
2: probably. I'd have to look it up real quick. But yeah, it's maybe this week it's just they get an extra running back if the gophers win. So it's <laughs> uh, that's just a crazy sneak bit year for any program just they're in first with place in back. the west yeah that's that's the amazing thing it's almost like building depth and having some consistency and what you want to do works out but uh, who could have imagined but anyway yeah that's a it's another one of those lines i'm not sure what to make of it i mean illinois is not good but minnesota could play at their level they could go out and kind of wallop them like they did against northwestern so
0: yeah i was impressed with that score
2: Yeah, not a game I'd like to put a lot of money on or bet on anything. I mean, Gophers should win fairly handily, but you could see that being a 13 point win or something like that if they're just kind of playing casual. So I don't know if I put any money on it. So,
0: Rob, anything?
1: Yeah, I would take the under on this one at 44. Um, I'm looking at two. uh, I mean, Minnesota being 62, I'm laughing. And you said like their eighth running back on the season, but. you know, that offensive line has been opening up holes bigger than the Mariana trench. So uh, anybody could run through there. You could run through there. Dave. I think se- I, I heard on you. one
0: of the local shows that they had a, I'm pretty sure this was Minnesota. They had a, a linebacker uh, lining up at running back in the fourth quarter because they just didn't have anybody else.
1: So. Well, and, and he's, and he's still rushed for 120 yards. So.
0: <laughs> That's yeah. right.
1: I don't know about the 14 and a half point spread. Um, Maybe buy that down to like 13 and a half and hope they win by two. Yeah, scores, you'd want to get it
0: under the key number, obviously. The, the, but. Yeah,
1: the under would be the under would be um you're not gonna win any money on the money line. The under would probably be your bet on this one.
0: All right, sounds good. Um, obviously we'll come back to uh the Fox big noon kickoff with Ohio State coming to Lincoln. We'll touch on that last, but um afternoon slate of games uh starts off with Penn State uh going to Maryland, uh College Park, big uh, East Coast rivalry here. Uh and we've got the Nittany Lions Lions favored by 10 over under a more healthy 55. Rob.
1: Well, <laughs> that's a tough one too cuz Penn State's not been known as like a huge I mean their defense alone I, I would say their defense Clifford is looked the better spread. last
0: week but yeah. he got banged up again it seemed yeah. like he's always. I would injured. take the
1: I would take the under and 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 take and take Penn State with the spread how's that because I think that their defense is probably worth 10 points alone um on that on this game Maryland right. I I just had the game on I actually have the game on against Indiana right here behind me apologize Redcasters I turned my head away from the mic there for a second but Maryland's offense can score but Penn's Penn State's defense is is a monster, so um, I don't see Maryland winning this game. Um, you know, Penn State gets a couple turnovers. There's your ten point spread. I don't know about the over though. Fifty five right. is a high number. Boomer.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting. Penn State was a lot more game against Ohio State than I thought they might be. Yep. Um, so I don't know if that was just Penn State's last gasp for the season. And, you know, they're going to kind of start checking out now or if they still have a little bit of fire left and want to finish strong in Maryland's a team, you can write yourself with pretty readily. Uh, not a game I would really put a lot of money on either way. Again, I wouldn't want to
0: get too much. I think their coach is motivated to get a few more wins. You might be trying to either get a new gig or a pay raise. So. Yeah, exactly.
2: So, yeah, it's yeah not a game I have great feelings about. You just don't know what you're getting out of Penn State. Is it the, the team that just struggled mightily against Illinois, the one that put up a fight against Ohio State. Hard to say. So Yep,
0: that's right. Uh, well, a, a, a game that has a really interesting line to it, Boomer, is also at that 2.30 uh, Central time slot, and that is number five Michigan State coming off a big win versus Michigan. Uh, what a what a great comeback that was. And uh, Kenneth Walker does look like maybe we'll have a shot at, at the Heisman if they can take care of business here and – and get to a point where they're playing Ohio State um, undefeated in a couple of weeks at probably 10 and 0 at that point. Um, Going into West Lafayette, Purdue (laughs) bouncing back versus Nebraska uh, at five and three, trying to get bowl eligible. Um, It's only a three point spread. I've seen it as low as two and a half actually for Sparty. Um, So really tight here over under 54 number five team in the country, only favored by a field goal versus unranked Purdue boomer. What does that tell you? Yeah, we were talking about this beforehand. The only thing I can figure out is I, I'm i starting to
2: think the Big Ten actually makes money, you know, cooking games and lions rather than, <laughs> you know, from networks and, and TV tie-ins and all that.
0: They didn't call them old Big Jim
2: Delaney for nothing. Yeah, you exactly. know. and that's why we brought Rutgers in, to give us access to the Atlantic City market, not not New York. So I, I was really shocked at this line. I don't know what they're seeing that I'm not. I don't know – You know, Purdue's not a world beating team. You know, they're fine against us, but, you know, they struggled against Minnesota. They struggled against Wisconsin. And those teams are, I think, more akin to what Michigan State can do. But I think Michigan State's offense is better than Wisconsin's. And they're at least on par with Minnesota, I would think. So, I'd bet Sparty on this one. I don't know what, what I'm missing, unless I'm totally missing something I don't know about. And, you know, Walker's decided to shut it down for the rest of the season to save himself for <laughs> the pros or something. I don't know, but uh, Rob what yeah, do you think? takes party and one of the best bets. There you go. Well,
1: this is an easy one and this is going to be my game of the week. And if you call my one 800 number um, I, I used that joke last week. I know. Um, but one of the things that I think, Confuses me the most about what why the spread is only three points, what did Nebraska do well against Purdue last week, which blew our mind, which is they ran the ball they ran the ball for four and a half yards per carry last week, and what does Michigan state do well?
0: Kenneth Walker will probably top that easily, yeah
1: yeah, I mean if he runs for three hundred yards he'll run for four i mean <laughs> he's i mean expect him to have a couple of long long touchdown runs this week Um, take the three take the spread Um, I'm going to say Michigan State probably covers most of the over it's a it's a 54 point spread here and I would say Michigan State probably covers most of that on their own there's that for you Dave thanks thanks Rob you're you're welcome and and they definitely I mean the three points is is definitely your bet right there well maybe
2: Sparty will forget to give Walker the the ball in the second half I mean it's right. possible teams could do that.
1: So. They're going to put Yant on the back of his jersey and and forget to hand him the ball. Yep, send him out to Peyton's go get, the get pieces or yeah. instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll see. I,
0: I I, will probably have to go with that. I, I think it's a stinky number. Something's
1: weird with that. Maybe something's up, but um, yeah. What's, I, what's the weather going to be like in Indiana? I guess that's, that's, that's a good question. question. I'll let, let do, Boomer does look Does anyone know that. the
0: altitude there in West Lafayette? I mean, does that... <laughs> Close to the shores of Lake Michigan. Um, All right. Well, as as Boomer looks up the weather there, um, another game at that same time slot is Wisconsin. Now looking like they have a shot at the West at five and three overall, uh, four and four against the spread. uh, Going to New Jersey to take on uh, the State School of New Jersey Rutgers, who's four and four and it's a 12th point spread there for whiskey over under at 38 which seems probably about right for wisconsin but does seem awfully
1: low and, and could have some value there so uh rob i'm gonna call this a trap game for wisconsin um mm. again i i actually think that um Rutgers, i mean wisconsin i'm gonna go uh iowa on them and say that they're one bad defensive game away from being a. To from taking a loss and, and I haven't really seen them take that particular loss yet. Right. Their defense has played relatively well in just about every game that they played this year um, from what I can remember. Um, And I think Rutgers is going to give them a game. I, I would not take the spread on this. I'd take Rutgers if you go with the spread Um, and I would take the over. Okay. All right. Boomer. Yeah, the over on this I think just depends on what you how many
2: points you think Wisconsin will score if uh if you think they can get to 30 or so on Rutgers then yeah, but even that I I don't think Rutgers is going to score more than you know 17 points is probably a ceiling for Rutgers in this game. So mm-hmm. depends on what you think Wisconsin can do and I don't think Wisconsin's going to go out there to try to put up a bunch of points. They're just going to do what they've been doing, you know, just crushing people on defense and
0: trying to get to, you know, upper twenties and call it a day. So, I mean, Wisconsin Iowa did hit the under last week at 36 and a half. They only hit 34, I believe. So I think it's Iowa had negative points somehow in that game, Dave. <laughs> so that's, that's, that explains that.
2: Yeah. Did you find just, the weather out at all
0: for uh, Michigan State-Purdue?
2: Yeah, West Lafayette's looking uh, – highs in the 50s that day, so it'll be a pleasant early November. It, right, it'll nice. be a little chilly to start the day. It, it, you're hovering right around uh, freezing temperature, but uh, it shouldn't be unexpected this time of year for Big Ten football.
1: Although, Michigan as we know, State
2: Kevin Warren says we're not capable of handling these these kind of crowds in this sort of weather, so northern stadiums. So That's
0: right. That's right. Uh, all right. Then we have uh, a couple of night games. Uh, we have Iowa trying to bounce back, 6 2 overall, uh, 5 and 3 against the spread. Uh, offense being exposed on a regular basis. Uh, is Northwestern uh, going to be a cure, a cure to that uh, abysmal offense? Uh, Boomer, what do you think here? We got a 12 point uh, spread for Iowa, over under at 40 and a half. Yeah, god that
2: game's going to be awful to watch, isn't it? Jeez. Yes. Yeah, that's... It's a night game.
0: Yeah, a <laughs> sure people will
2: really be tuning in for that. Yeah, good lord. Um Yeah, Northwestern's not good. So I think I will do something. I mean, they've got to be have some sort of pulse compared to these last couple of weeks. I you might even consider the under on this. I just don't think Northwestern's going to score a whole heck of a lot and I was not going to put up a ton of points, but uh,
0: no, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, Fitz is still a good coach and I think he sees how he could win this game is avoid all their turnovers. um, Just drag this down into the lowest scoring game. He can possibly can. And, you know, maybe let Iowa make the mistake. Right. And so, I mean, I could definitely see the, the under at 40 and a half
1: Rob. Yeah. Take Northwestern on the spread take the under um and watching iowa um that was actually a game i could watch today um and just watching iowa they they don't look like they could win another game the rest of the season as bad as they've been playing except nebraska except <laughs> nebraska right but you know but even then i'm like god leave it to nebraska to be this you know it's like it's like uh, i'll i'll throw my Raiders reference in it. It's like when the Raiders are just the worst team in football and yet somehow they always seem to beat the Broncos like once a year. Right. Unless Peyton Manning's the quarterback and it's going to be that same way this year. I still think oh I my said, goodness, Ron. I said, Nebraska was going to beat Iowa this year. I said it in the beginning of the year and I still believe it. All right. I still believe right. they're going to beat Iowa. All
0: right. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I but, think...
1: yeah. but that's not the game we're talking about. Iowa Northwestern, I don't think that, um, Iowa can cover the 12 point spread. I don't think either team can score enough points. We're looking at like a 17, 12 game or something crazy like that, you know? So that's it.
0: Nope. That's fair. Uh, all right. And then, uh, Indiana yeah. two and six on here. <laughs> Who saw that one coming, um, goes into Michigan, trying to rebound at Ann Arbor, uh, a tough loss there. They're up 30 to 14 in East Lansing and cannot hold on for the victory, uh, seven and one overall Michigan there, uh, big spread here, 19 and a half points over under 51. Boomer. Yeah,
2: I guess watching that game, if, if anything is a Nebraska fan, it should make you feel better that other teams feel they get completely hosed by a big 10 referees too. And again, <laughs> that plays into our whole, uh, you know, big 10 making some side bets, you know, for the on games here to, to get, get a little extra pocket change, but, uh, yeah. I'll, I, all right. I'm curious just to see how Michigan responds. Cause that was a tough loss. It's a game they probably should have won against Sparty and would have set up a huge end of the season for them. But now, you know, how do they rebound? I guess if you're going to be rebounding against anybody, Indiana's probably the team to do it against. Um, that might be a lot of points. I don't know how they're going to come out. If they're going to come out rocking and roaring or a little sluggish to start, I expect a little, maybe a sluggish start. So they might not hit the 19. Um, they'll win the game and I, I don't know what Indiana is going to be able to score. Probably not a lot, but so yeah, depending how I much mean, you think Michigan's going to score, you might just take the under on the game just to be just to have a play on it.
0: Yeah, that I could see that. I suppose. I don't know the other alternative. uh You know, Rob knows Michigan likes to run up the score when they can. Indiana does seem a little bit defeated.
1: Um, So what do you think, Rob? I think this is the perfect game for Michigan to come off that loss and just take it out on somebody. Um I have said it before. I think Michigan probably scores most of these points on their own. Um, I think they easily cover the spread at 19 and a half Um, poor Indiana. They got nothing left to play for, especially after losing to Maryland last week. So, um, you know, I'm not worried about Michigan in this game. Um, You know, they, Sparty looks really good this year. Um, You know, they, they deserved all of that comeback. I've got that game on behind me right now. And You know, it's, uh, it's going to be a rough one for Indiana, especially in Michigan, like at the big house. That's in front of what, 150,000 people. I don't know exactly how many they fit in that place anymore. About
0: 107 these days, I think, plus or minus. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, All right. Well, larger than uh... the
1: population of Greeley, Colorado. I do know that.
0: (laughs) All right. Um, well, uh, let's, let's turn the Nebraska game and uh, Ohio state comes to Lincoln for big new kickoff, which is actually at 11 o'clock. Um, I can't believe that Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt will be there. Uh, spread is at 15 right now. I've seen it uh, open up at 15 and a half. I've seen it come down all the way down to 14 and a half on a few sites. I, I don't get that over and under 64 and a half. Um, boomer if you know we we don't bet on the husters typically um and i definitely don't bet against them but boy if i did what do you think
2: yeah i don't i was surprised at this line too i thought i would open somewhere closer to ohio state around 20 or so yeah Uh, i again it's kind of like that michigan state line i don't know what what they're trying to do or what they think um you know, unless they're expecting, you know, like a, maybe a twenty-one point Ohio State lead going late and we get some late touchdown that kinda throws it up. Because we are pretty good at those, you know, last have seen the number that, move yeah. down though, boomer. That is it's yeah, going it's 14 and a half in 14. a couple of sites right now. So I don't know who's throwing the money on it or what's going on there. I'm we we do play these teams tough. You know, we played you know, Oklahoma and Michigan State and Michigan tough this year. It's just I, I, again, I don't know what our team has left in the tank, you know, mentally and yeah. physically. And it's a Ohio different State's... time and
0: place, right?
2: I mean, yeah. And, and, and I'll be kind of curious to see what the, you know, college football playoff polls come out this week. Does Ohio State have to try to start proving things to make sure they're, they're going to yeah. be in the top four? Cause, you know, they might not be right now. So that's certainly a possibility. They might have to come out and feel they need things to prove. So I don't know. It's, yeah. Like you said, Dave, it's, uh, I'm, no longer betting nebraska again i i went away from that formula this season i paid the price every time so i'm not doing a thing on this one but it's 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 an interesting
1: line so yeah rob i got nothing um <laughs> oh come on man no, i mean i know what i know what my head tells me but it's nebraska and i want to bet with my heart right i'm going to believe that they play the level of their opponent they come out and uh you know give it all they got and but I've also seen the results against Ohio State here for the last, you know, however many years. And, yeah, I mean, Ohio State money line, Ohio State, you know, take the over on this. Um, I'm afraid to see what happens when when the playoff committee comes out with their uh, first reveal tomorrow. Because um, if Oklahoma is at, like, number five or six, my God, watch out. Like, that's it's going to get ugly.
0: Yeah, I th- that would be interesting to see what uh, where Ohio State is from that perspective. Sure, absolutely. Uh all right guys, well, um it should be should be hopefully um well, no, I'm not going to say that it should be a win and I'm I'm hoping for a competitive game more than anything. And I guess if it uh is within two touchdowns, I would take that as a competitive outing. So, we'll see. We'll see um all right guys let's move on to our best bets and um rob do you have anything in particular you're looking at
1: hey man i'm sticking a bet always bet against kansas right like b a k i'm always going back um bet against kansas i think that they are like a 24 and a half point uh dog this week. So definitely just, I I don't even care who they play anymore. I just look at C state. Yeah. Oh, is it K state? Oh mm-hmm. God. Yeah. K state's going to lay one on them in state rivalry. It's, it's all over. Um, You know, the other one that I thought was interesting, and, and here's a, a a game where Cincinnati played Tulane last week and Tulane of course made it really competitive. And they seem to, um, you know, even though they are only a one win team, they s- seem to be keeping some of their games kind of close Um, You know, they are three and five against the spread, but, you know, so is UCF. So something's got to give right. Um, It's a 13 point uh, spread there for UCF. And I actually think that Tulane is able to uh, stay within two scores of UCF in that game. And even though they'll probably lose, um, I think they'll keep it competitive. And those are my two good ones for you this week. All right. Boomer. Boomer
2: well my main one is you take sparty to to beat purdue at you know minus three again uh, that one surprised me uh kansas yeah I, I thought about that one but man you never know that i was curious and kansas has been fun but you know they have their moments um the other one i was kind of intrigued at was the wake forest north carolina game uh, unc is uh Two and a half point favorite over the undefeated Wake Forest Demon Deacons. So I'm not sure how to read that. Wake Forest getting no respect whatsoever from anybody. Uh, I don't know if I respect him yet, to be totally honest with you. But that's uh, <laughs> fair. You know this uh, over under on that is 76 and a half, and quite honestly, they both might blow that up. That both these teams are scoring 40 points a game, so you might consider the over on that just for the fun of it. I mean that that could be a high scoring shootout that takes about eight hours to finish. So.
1: Yeah, I, I might is, take you over on that one. Yeah. Wake Wake Force is one of those teams that you want to keep meeting at the bar for drinks, but you're not quite ready to take them out to dinner yet. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. There we go. Yeah, yeah are you saying their offense is fast and easy, Rob? <laughs> I don't know what kind of analogy you're trying to make, Dave. This is a family show. All right, all right. I just assumed on. they'd
0: pay for all the drinks, Dave. That's why I was meeting them there. So. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. I see. Uh, no, those, those are some good ones there, guys. I like it. I like it. Um, you know, I, I do think that uh, Wake Forest line is is intriguing. Um, I, I do, I'm looking at Army Air Force, and normally an Academy under is a lock, uh, but it's already at 37 and a half. And these are two two teams that do like to score a little bit. And so I, I could see where this goes over. I don't know if I want to put that down in my locks, but I do think an over on Army Air Force might happen. And it is an early game. Um, I don't know what that means for them. They're used to that. They're usually up at 4 a.m. anyway. So, um, And then other game I'm looking at uh, so far this week, it's a little bit further down the line. Let's see here. Where was that at? Oh, it's the um, Clemson-Louisville game. Uh, Clemson's only favored by three and a half or four. Um, I don't think they're going to win by that much more, maybe seven. But um, I don't think Louisville's all that good. And uh, Clemson's just good enough uh, with that defense. They're somehow covered. I don't know if you guys watched that game last uh, last Saturday where uh, they're up by four. Florida State uh, tries to do a hook and ladder, fumbles the ball, goes backwards. Clemson recovers and takes it in the end zone, wins by 10. Their spread was nine and a half. <laughs> yeah, if you want the platonic ideal of a bad beat, that that's probably it, it right there in, in gift form if you want to look for it. Yeah. Yep. A yeah. classic. Um, and I, Anyway, I think Clemson can, can take that with a, a relatively uh, short line there.
1: All right, guys, anything else out there? There was actually the, there was a game that I was looking at earlier too, which kind of is baffling to me is number 11, Oklahoma States going to West Virginia, four and four West Virginia against seven and one Oklahoma state and Oklahoma state's only favored by three in that game. And the under over under is 49. And that's really intriguing to me because Oklahoma state tends to be a pretty high scoring team in general. And, and uh you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and and say off the bat that that's probably a good game to put some money down on the spread or the over for, for anybody out there just looking for an afternoon game to throw some money down on. It's All right. probably the
0: altitude in Morgantown. It's true. <laughs> Mike Gundy likes to sleep on
1: couches and they're well, and, you know, I don't know. Is it the Appalachians? Is that, is that what's out there in West yes, Virginia? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you know, that, that whole 4,000 foot elevation really gets to you. That's right. You know, that's as right. I'm sitting also, here 5,200 feet with you, Dave. That's
0: right. There's also Maction uh, going on on Tuesday and Wednesday. So for Maction. any uh, degenerate betters, there's plenty of games out there all, all week long. So make sure you get out there and um, hopefully win some money. I think there's, yeah, Tuesday. Didn't you say there's, I saw there's Tuesday, Tuesday Wednesday, night. Thursday, yeah. Friday. There's, yeah, it's uh, football for like days on
2: end for a while now. Yeah, it doesn't it's stop. like bowl season practice already.
0: <laughs> What's that, Dave? How does that work? I don't know, but uh, we wore a, a, a nice red jacket
1: this weekend. Hey, over Dave, there. I live in Colorado. It's always bowl season here, bro. <laughs>
0: All right guys. Well, let's call that a go big red cast.
1: Go big red. GBR. Ahora
3: Media Production.